do I feel like it's been ages, but we did record last week? I know, and I feel like it was another lifetime that I watched this episode, so... Oh no. I'm really glad that you're here to guide this conversation. I think it helps that we are just kind of narrowed down to two stories this week. Yeah, that is helpful, and they are very separate. They don't overlap at all. Yes, which is very, very exciting. Really helps us uh, structure our episode. I wish they were all that easy. I know, right? (laughs) Would be nice. We usually sit here and we're like, well, who do we talk about first? Yeah. Talk about Breddy, then we talk about Veronica, and then we're done. And like a little bit of Jughead. (laughs) He's the bread to the sandwich, really. More like a tortilla, because it's very thin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) This is I Hate It, Let's Watch It. I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. It's a tale of two biddies on this week's episode of Riverdale. First off, we have Veronica, who is desperately trying to make the Babylonium a successful business, but is being actively thwarted by her off-screen parents who want to see her fail. With all of the big movie studios refusing to sell her copies of the latest movie, she's forced to settle for a B-level indie film called The Crawling Eye, which honestly sounds like the type of movie we'd cover on this podcast. Luckily, Jughead gives her an idea to make the audience experience more interactive, and the big risk reaps big reward. The Babylonium is back in business, but it unfortunately comes at the cost of a missed opportunity for Veronica to share a milkshake with Reggie. Now let's check in with horny Betty, who has been forced into regular therapy sessions with Dr. Werther's. Werther's is a bit too enthusiastic to interrogate Betty about her sexual appetites, and we have the ick. Betty begs Alice for a healthy open dialogue to help repair their fractured relationship, but Alice surprises no one by deciding to disown her daughter completely instead. Oh, and remember that whole murder investigation we keep putting on the back burner? Sheriff Keller is finally realizing he should be doing something about it. He recruits Jughead to help. You know, the same guy he tried to railroad for murdering Ethel's parents. I guess that's just water under the bridge now. Where do you want to start? Should we start with Betty or should we start with Veronica? Because I know, I'm sure we both probably want to talk about Betty. We do. But we totally do we do. want to end on Veronica? <laughs> I kind of, I think I want to do the worst first. So can we do Veronica first? Okay, that's kind of what I thought we were going to do. Okay, great. So that works for me. You could start us off. I mean, this is a classic tale of Veronica in the history of this show. It's Veronica's in charge of a business that's not doing well, shockingly. And when When she tries her darndest to get it going, her parents get in the way and thwart her in some fashion, and she figures out how to do a big fuck you back to them and comes out on top. That's it. We're done, right? Okay, let's move on to Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not so so fast. (laughs) Boo. I think it just, it's so much more entertaining when you could see them. Yes. I hate that they're doing Yes. They're like invisible and- I totally agree. That we have to accept exist, but- we don't really know that for a fact. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of those phone conversations you see in movies and TV shows where you're not hearing the person on the other end of the line. So the person you are hearing is doing all this unnecessary plot laying where they're just like, oh, you didn't go to the store today? Mom said you did. Oh, you went to the gym instead? And it's just like, right. It's like the <laughs> you're, worst. you're yeah. not getting the responses. So like the conversation just feels really lame. That's what this feels like. It's like we don't actually get the physical threat of the lodges. And so it's just kind of like, all right. No, and they're being the threats. They're all being passed along through other people. Like she's not yes. even getting a direct. She never talks you. on the. Yeah, she doesn't even do this lame kind of phone no. call. 
She we gets telegrams get, or like, poor <laughs> Smithers has to deliver the, uh, oh, the bad news man. that she's been kicked out. Man, he needs to find a new job. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's been doing it in the 50s, <laughs> way back when, and then still like... Smithers in- never <laughs> has a better life. He's just always right? the, the Lodge's bellman, and it's so sad. He just stayed the same for both decades. <sighs> yes. So we should say that basically Veronica starts this episode. She's trying to hype up this stupid movie theater and she has gotten her hands on a copy of one of James Dean's newest movies you know prior to his untimely death and she wants to do this double feature at the Babylonia she's trying to get everybody to come by giving out free tickets banking on being able to make up the profits from concession sales which fair I think most movie theaters (laughs) also do that oh yeah or I mean they still charge you an arm and a leg for a ticket now but they do mark up their concessions to even further boost their profits. Yeah, you can't you can't back down on the buttery popcorn that is movie theater. Popcorn. I know, and actually now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I have popcorn, and maybe I should make some later. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. So she manages to get all these people in the theater, and unfortunately, there's a problem. Kevin comes to collect her, and is very urgent about it and clay basically says these reels are damaged they're overexposed we can't show this movie and i did kind of feel bad for veronica in this moment because how embarrassing to have to walk out there that yeah and tell people uh we actually don't have the ability to screen this movie tonight especially <laughs> after all of the shit that cheryl gave her right. about how the other movie theater in greenvale right greenvale green Greendale? Uh, I don't know. One of those. There's a green involved. The neighboring town. Yes. They have a bigger theater. It's better. Like, why wouldn't I go there to see this? It's like yeah. the most anticipated movie. She really gave her shit. Mm-hmm. Cheryl's back on her Cheryl game, which I guess we can all respect, right? I appreciate it more when she's giving shit to Veronica. You know, like there are certain people that I think don't deserve it, but Veronica deserves it. So I'm okay with it if Cheryl wants to oh, give yeah. her shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. A thousand percent. So I think that even that made it worse because it was her reaction when Veronica then had to go up there and be like, I can't show you shit tonight. And expecting that to refund them was a little ballsy. She tried to do vouchers first and they were like, no fucking way. We want our money back. Right. Like this doesn't make us want to come back here for anything. Yeah. Use the voucher. Right. So like, And and I think when you let people down in this way, you do have to kind of eat that loss. Like I know that the business was not doing well and this was probably a big hit for them to take, but you you can't, when, when you do something like this, you have to be willing to give people their money back. So eventually she does say that she will give them their money back. But throughout this disaster, you know, Reggie has turned up. She's still like aggressively pursuing him when she's giving out the Mm -hmm. free movie coupons. She's just like, oh, Reginald. And I just hate that she calls him Reginald. Yeah. Because that could potentially not even be his name. His name could just be Reggie. And she's just deciding that it's Reginald. And it's like, fair. you're annoying. So he comes to that production and she kind of is like, so like, is this going to happen or what? And he's like, "You're, you're being 
pretty persistent. And she's like, well, you keep passing me the ball or whatever she fucking says. Yeah, their lingo back and forth was, I guess, okay, but also fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because he deserves so much better. So it's just annoying. And finally, he is like, okay, after the movies tonight, we can go to Pops for a milkshake. But after this whole debacle, she's like, I I don't have time. I have to figure this out. I'm sorry. He's like, no problem. We'll do it another time. So Veronica immediately realizes that this was her parents doing because she calls the film studio. They're like, we don't know. You know, this shit happens. And then finally she calls like they call tons of them. Yes. Trying to get a copy. And they're all like, fuck you. And so Veronica's like, this is sabotage. It's like, or maybe you just suck. Because honestly, I would understand movie studios, big movie studios, not wanting to sell to teeny tiny movie theaters in the middle of Riverdale, bumfuck USA. And it's so so funny because the last... The last guy she talks to is like, I'm not in the business to be working with underage. Yes. <laughs> unexperienced. Like, yeah. True. Yeah. Everything he said was they so all should have said that. Yeah. Yeah. They all should have said that. And that's when she realized it's her parents because he says, and I shouldn't be trying to work with the daughter of yeah. the people I'm trying to get business from or whatever it was. So. Right. Like that was almost the first time that anybody said something that might indicate that her parents were involved because up to that point. I could totally understand why nobody was looking to invest with her movie Mm -hmm. theater. It just made sense to me. So they throw that in at the end there. And she's like, it's my parents. And so they kind of readjust their strategy and start going after the smaller indie studios. And even they don't really want anything to do with them. (laughs) Which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. And it's funny when they brought that up, like, oh, the B-list ones. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like the movies we go after. I literally said she finally gets her hands on a copy of this movie called The Crawling Eye. And I'm like, this sounds like a movie that we would cover on our podcast. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. How she comes about this is she goes to pop she's picking up food and she sees Jughead and this pissed me off oh my god because right kid... off the bat well he is in mourning let's just really sure quickly... mourning for the man that he knew for two weeks yes <laughs> mind you Ethel is still locked away right yeah as this insane crazy person but by all means yep 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 Yep. And he's at the table and he's been there for days. Yep. Just with all of Brad Rayberry's books, like just nose deep in these books and milkshakes and everything. And she comes over to him and it's another typical Veronica, I'm just going to be nice because I need you for something kind of yeah. moment. And she asks about the one movie that she was offered, mm-hmm. which is this one that we just talked about. I, of course, forgot the name of it. The Crawling Eye. The crawling eye. And she explains to him, like, what she wants to do. And he basically is like, oh, like, so-and-so, another director or whatever. Mm-hmm. And explain how to get this B-list, C-list movie to really get traction that in the movie theater, it was called The Tingler. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. I think The Tingler's right. And so they put these buzzers under everyone's <laughs> chair. And when the creature whatever did its tingling or they whatever. They zapped the fuck, everybody. <laughs> they zapped everybody. And she's like, oh my God, that sounds horrible. Yeah. I mean, risky like, well, from no, like it a- was a little. Yeah. It reminds me of that ride in, is it? Universal or oh, Disney it was well, a stitch ride where like 
Okay. You're in it and the story's happening, but like everything like. There's a bunch of rides like that, but the one that traumatizes me particularly is the Bugs Life ride at Animal Kingdom. Oh, It's a little like 3D show and they have these, oh my God, they're like rods in the back of the chairs and at some point like the hornets come down and they start stinging people and so you get jabbed right in your shoulder blades. Yeah, the idea of that like (laughs) freaks me the fuck out. But again, it is a pretty cool concept. So for like it to happen in a movie theater, she is going to take that idea and run with it. Yes. So that's her plan for the crawling eye. She recruits a bunch of people to help her and she she gets Archie and Reggie to volunteer to be her actors, her performers. And they're like, we, we're not actors, we're basketball players. I think Archie says, like, he's like, we're not actors, no. we're athletes. And it's like, okay. And she's like, I don't really need you to act. I just need you to do one very simple thing. So <laughs> they have the movie screening. She's somehow gotten Cheryl there, convinced her that it's going to be unforgettable. Mm-hmm. And the movie's rolling. At some point, this like fog starts creeping out and people are like, what the fuck is up with the fog? We can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then... At the, you know, the crescendo of the scene, these two giant eyeballs, eyeballs. with tentacles come rushing out from the where the screen is and into the audience. Everybody's screaming. But loving it at the same yes, time. Because once they realize that it's kind of part of the act, because this is also a 3D movie that they're watching. So they it's right. probably very disorienting to have something real coming at you when you're also seeing like 3D effects. So big hit. Everybody loves it. Now poor Reggie and Archie are enslaved in this whole process. Yeah, <laughs> like you have to do this for every showing. <laughs> and the best is like the amount of ball innuendos that were used. Yes. Like, oh, um, I respect your balls. And, I, and I'm like, yeah. Four. Okay. Yeah, because they they try to unionize. Basically, they're like, um, if we're gonna be doing this, <laughs> the eyeball union, if we're gonna be doing this every night, we you know need to get something out of it. So she offers to pay them, but Archie walks out. But, right? Archie's like, right? Nah. Yeah, like they have basketball and all that. They walk out. Yeah, the same. The same for me. Yeah, I mean, they both put down their balls and are like, <laughs> we're not doing this. But Archie just kind of storms out because. Veronica then says, well, I'm just going to get Kevin and Clay to do it. And it's like, well, why didn't you just have them do it in the first place? But I, I thought that, too. She's already paying them as employees. So, like, why yeah, not? Give them a, throw them a little bone and then there you go. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they made them. I'm sure they wouldn't mind actually yeah. playing the roles. Um, and then Reggie stays back. And this pissed me the fuck off. Because it's typical Veronica. Mm-hmm. Reggie stays back and is like, oh, you want to go grab that milkshake now? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, but I can't. And it's like, fuck off. Yeah, she's like, I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. But then she says something. She's like, come back later and we'll see. Like, no. No. <laughs> like, what? You fucking busted this kid's balls. Ag- balls. Again. Ha! But, ha ha ha. You busted this kid's balls to take you on a date. And now you're literally turning down every single time he wants to take you out. I don't blame him for showing up later with flowers and then leaving. I know. And I felt so bad for him, too, because like, obviously, he was really trying to kind of keep to himself. And Veronica, like, forced him into going on this date Mm -hmm. with her, basically. It's not like he was unwilling, but, you know, she pushed him into doing it. And then now that he has agreed to go on this date, she keeps blowing him off. And it's so sad. It really is. And he's finally getting acclimated, too. Because, I mean, the last episode, it's just like he's new and doesn't know anybody and getting shit for everything. And it sucks. And now he's finally getting his footing in this town. And you're just turning him down every single chance. Yeah. So it's stupid. 
stupid. She's the worst. Typical. But yeah, she's on the phone with all these studios who suddenly now really want to work with her, which is like because Riverdale yeah. is in variety. Right. Like as this small town theater that is making a big Splash, you know, do. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, that would never happen. No, it would literally never happen, and and it also still doesn't make her a better investment than her parents. Her parents are actually established in Hollywood and probably give more business to these studios, so it's still in their best interest, probably, to not fuck around with her. But mm-hmm. but now they're like begging to send her shit, and it's like, oh, this is stupid. Very stupid. Yeah, like I wouldn't go that far. Again, it's a small town unless neighboring town. Ta- I mean, I guess that's the point because there is the one scene where like they're sold out for the seven o'clock show mm-hmm. and that can't be like the whole town. Like, <laughs> Right. There's only like, like people 20 to- people there we know of. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like people go over to Green Dale. Greenvaledale. <laughs> For a bigger screen, yeah, from right. Riverdale, like I'm yeah, maybe sure we're now. maybe they're getting the Greendale Vale crowd. Yes, so yep. they're taking away their business. So anyway, that's Veronica, right? Yeah, I mean, and then again, she's all happy because she's getting this business now. She goes home, finds out the locks are changed. So right, she says she has to go live at the Babylonian. <laughs> Which doesn't seem like an issue. No, but she can't shit on uh, Jughead's train car anymore because she literally lives in a movie theater. So I for <laughs> sure thought she was going to approach him. I thought so too. And ask, like, since I designed this bitch, can I live with you? <laughs> yeah, I actually added an extra bedroom when I did the reno. So <laughs> Just for this reason, just in case. There's a guest bedroom in your train car now. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so that's the Veronica bullshit we dealt with this week. I also found it interesting. Like, I understand the whole double digest thing because that's what the comics do. Right. But it was an interesting play on doing it as Betty and Veronica's double digest. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like Betty's story made more sense to have it prime time, whereas Veronica's story was just kind of, like, lesser than. Well, it's yes. And it's almost like they heard me say it in the last episode. Where I was saying, like, what is Veronica even doing in this season? <laughs> She's just such a non-entity. And so I feel like this episode was trying to make her relevant. And it's just like, but also we don't care about this. This has nothing to do with anything that really matters. Not that anything does anymore, but at least with Betty's stuff, it involves Dr. Werther's, who does seem to kind of be tangled up in a lot of the dodgy shit that's been going on this season. So yeah, at least that's sort of tied in. In, but I guess we can get into her now. Oh, yeah. This is honestly her story was my favorite part. Yeah, it was interesting. But I think it's funny because this was even the case back in the day when everybody got a therapy session at school that one time. Mm-hmm. Betty is the character in Riverdale who least needs therapy because she's so in tuned with her emotions and herself and what she believes and where it comes from. Dr. Werther's is asking her all these questions and Betty's just answering incredibly honestly and it's just like, you know, it probably has something to do with wanting to be seen. And it's like, that's usually what the therapist says. (laughs) Exactly. And he's not even, I don't even think he's listening to her, to be honest, because I think he has a um, ulterior motive, which we'll get into. So Alice has arranged for Betty to start seeing Dr. Werther's for therapy sessions. And something that really surprised me was just 
Betty's willingness to go along with it because mm. she's re- she resisted so hard being on Riverdale Grandstand. And I don't know if she just felt like she had nothing to lose, but she seemed incredibly comfortable discussing her sexual appetites with Dr. Withers, who is possibly one of the creepiest dudes I've ever seen. Hated him already, but this really brought it to light because... yeah. It, it's not good. It's no. Not good. And like questions he was asking, like, oh, how often do you think about sex? What's your most prominent fantasy? It's just like, right. What do you dream about? Let's get into specifics. Yeah. Which students? Oh, my God. It's fucking gross. It's bad. And then they have that one scene where it's like head to head kind of and you just see it's just their head on the screen and they're going back and forth and you see him asking the questions but in this tone of is he getting off this? <laughs> well like he, i was we still was don't out. ever really find out what's in his diary journal no. thingy because he's like scribbling on his notepad and betty keeps asking him what he's writing and he won't tell her and She goes looking for that later, but doesn't find it. So we don't know what he, I mean, ostensibly he's taking notes on their sessions, but it seems a bit more sinister than that because why draw attention to it in that case? Exactly. And make it seem, I mean, granted, he is a psychiatrist, therapist, whatever we want to call him. I would like to see his degree, honestly. I want to see a copy of that up close. But yeah, they do take notes. Well, nowadays with therapy, like... People use a laptop for notes, so you're not Mm -hmm. even seeing the screen. But normally, when a therapist takes notes, it's facing them. He's got it out on the desk, pretty close to her, to basically put it in her face, like, I'm writing this shit about you. Right. And that's a mind fucking itself. Yeah, I actually, my last therapist made it a point to say, like, I don't take notes in my sessions. I'll take notes in in the first session just to kind of write down some key points while we're going over, like, what you're here for. But, like, after that, I'm not going to take notes. And I think that maybe a lot more therapists do that now because they don't want their patient caught up in, like, what are they writing down? What are they saying about me? Because, it, it, you know, it's probably innocuous most of the time that they're just kind of writing down things they want to come back to or whatever. But it can I think it can kind of get in your head a little bit what's going on there. And it yeah, would definitely. for me in this particular situation. So I'm with Betty. I want to see what he wrote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. But yeah, so his questions are, they're vague, but not. I mean, he basically, she gets told that she's not allowed to be a vixen anymore (laughs) because it's too sexual, which I find so fucking funny because she just hits him back with, well, just being a teenager in high school Mm -hmm. is. Yeah, it's going to make you horny. Yeah. Like, and he's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, um, there's all these teenagers around with raging hormones who don't know how to express themselves sexually. So yeah, like we're all going to be horny. Yeah. He asks questions that he should know the answer to like as an adult, but it's almost like he wants to hear her say it. Mm -hmm. And that being said too, like if the vixens are too sexual, why don't they just shut down the vixens? Why is it only Betty? Because Betty's the only one flashing her underwear on national TV and participating in peep shows with her neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. Which she's being punished, but Archie isn't. He participated double Yeah, but standard. yes. I mean, I think that we were supposed to get that from that whole incident. But even in that episode when Archie was being celebrated at school and everybody was mm-hmm. kind of looking at Betty like, ew. So the initial initial dream sequence <laughs> yes, was amazing. Right, because he asked her <laughs> how often does she think about sex. And so it's basically like Betty getting up in the morning and going to school and at every turn 
she encounters a man out with or everyone. Veronica because she's the only girl she makes out with for some reason. But every turn, she's just like, oh, there's somebody I'll make out with. There's somebody and else I'll were, make out with. And they were all pretty hot. Like she yes. makes out with Spangs on the Reggie? car. I was like, oh, my oh, Reggie's was the best. Reggie I in the shower. That. Yikes. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Reggie I, in the shower. Oh, damn. I, oh, that was steamy. That it was, was very nice. It was steamy. And then even when she made out with Jughead, towards the end, he kind of goes for like a close like neck grab that I was like, oh, (laughs) and then it like cuts away, unfortunately. But it was like for like a millisecond, there was almost like a slight choking thing. And I was like, oh, I'm dead. Listen, I mean, if they wanted us to get horny, they're, they're doing their job. Yes. And I think I felt better knowing that these were going to be dream se- sequences because I feel like before when they've teased us with people hooking up and making out, we thought that they were actually going to be hooking up and making out with these people. But in the trailer for this episode, I think it was pretty clear that these were going to be dream sequences or mm-hmm. fantasies or whatever. So it was kind of easier to tolerate. And there was another sequence later when he's asking her what she dreams about and she describes being the biology teacher and tutoring um, a student and when he asks her which student she's like I don't know like a whole bunch (laughs) and it's like the same (laughs) like all of them yeah it's like the same crowd they each are sitting at the desk and she's dressed very provocatively sexy teacher and then at some point she says that they're hooking up on the desk and then realizes that the entire class is there just watching them go at it on the desk and then they keep but going at it on the desk. I was going to say she doesn't, it doesn't phase oh, her. She loves she it. Going. She loves being watched. So yeah, that was, that was sexy too. That, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> yep. he describes how like, I mean, she questions him here and there, but a lot of it was like, what's so bad about it? Right. What's the danger? Right. And he's like, well, sex should only be for married couples, you know, wanting to have children and all that. And I'm like, if that was the case, we would be screwed. Right. It's just patently not true. I mean, they they do use this, especially religious organizations use this to get people to be monogamous forever and whatever. But I mean, that's just not human nature. We're animals. So we are. It's uh it's not gonna work out for most of us, you know? Most of us wanna experiment. So we find out too that she literally sees him every day. <laughs> yeah. It's like and I'm like a she lot needs of therapy. <laughs> every fucking day. Yeah. Like that's a little much. But she goes home and Dr. Werther is a huge fucking tattletale. Yeah, he's just, he's probably got Alice on speed dial, just calling her up at home. It's so bad. So she gets home after one of the sessions. I think it was the one about the dream because she said she wrote about it in her diary. Yes. So (laughs) she comes home and there's a priest there. (laughs) Love that. And she's like, oh, this is the priest from when, like, we, you know, you went to whatever and... And she's like, oh, you know, nice to see you. And he says something. I think he mentions like, oh, so I hear like you're having these or something like that. And then Alice chimes in and goes, yeah, so like he could do like an exorcism or whatever he needs (laughs) to do. And she was kind of joking, but at the same time. Also not. Like, how dare you? (laughs) And then you see the stack of the diaries on the table. Yes. And by the way, this is the second timeline in which Alice has violated Betty's privacy by reading her diaries. So if I haven't said it before, which I know I have, I will say it again. Alice fucking sucks in every context of Riverdale. The end. Oh, and it only it only gets worse. Yes. So obviously Betty freaks out and she's like, you know, you're violating my privacy. 
you breaking and entering and then something sparks in her brain that she has to go to the school and break into Dr. Werther's office to find the notebook. But instead, she finds the book Lolita. Yes. Which is where we start to get a little grossed out by Dr. Werther. I mean, that's not when I started, but it definitely did. Oh, well, get no, better. that. <laughs> no, right. The minute I saw that, I'm like, okay, so my feelings are pretty accurate at this point. Yeah. And they're just going to get worse. Something that kind of disturbed me, though, was she, she goes to Jughead with this book and she asks him about it. And when he describes it to her, he she's like, oh, so it's a book for perverts. And Jughead's like, well, let's not pass judgment on great works of art. art. Yeah. I was like, hold on. Hold on, sir. You're reading about aliens right now. I completely disagree with that. I don't know. Have you read Lolita? No, but now I kind of want to just for... I read Lolita 10 years ago, maybe. It's so uncomfortable. Well, just the description. I'm like, um, a 12-year-old? I would not describe it as art whatsoever. And it actually stuns me that this is one of the timeless works of literature in recent history or the last two centuries or something. It's actually incredibly disturbing. Either way, I have an issue. I have a big issue with that, actually. I, I felt like yeah. that was really weird to say. And then when I thought, when she read it, I thought suddenly like she was going to get other ideas or be turned on by it or something. And I'm like, please well, don't, yeah, that's, please that's don't do this. <laughs> please don't go down this road. But that's not what happens. She she confronts Dr. Werther's about it and is like, yo, you, you got this book. And this wh- was the best confrontation I've ever seen. She's so good. She comes right out and is like, listen, I'm telling my mom, like, we are not doing this anymore because I don't feel comfortable being in a room with you. And I was like, yes, go. Yeah. I mean, it's a big red flag, you know? It is, which only makes me think like he is getting off on having Betty as a patient and seeing her and listening to her dreams. And she even says like, oh, are you using that notebook at home by yourself? Right, After yeah. Sessions, and Do you I was take like, it Whoa. home and like masturbate, basically. And honestly, he probably does. He probably so does. I think that was spot on. But I do think I just sorry, I'm like still stuck on this comment that Jack had made because like, can you imagine if you were like swiping through on Tinder or Hinge or whatever and like some guy was like his favorite book is Lolita? Well, yeah, that's a huge red flag. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd be like, well, clearly you picked the wrong age range. And then in like parentheses, but like. Like one of the greatest works of art of all time. And it's just like, no, you mm. like, no, like, I'm sorry, you can't defend this. It's just not okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm like, I'm really upset about it still. Several days we after blame, watching it. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's blame his mourning. Oh, yeah. Okay. Grief can do weird things to people, I guess, including making you think that fetishizing child porn is okay. So after this, she goes home and. Another great confrontation, BT does. Yes. She confronts Alice and is basically like, can we just have a conversation, please? Because it seems like you're trying to pawn me off on Dr. Werther's. We have a problem between the two of us and we need to sort it out. And she starts to confront Alice about why she's unhappy, why Alice is unhappy. And that was sort of an interesting turn that the conversation took because yeah. I don't I don't really know how she got there. Yeah, and they both are like starting to cry because it's... It's Alice realizing that Betty's right, and Betty is just getting out her frustrations at this point. And fucking Hal. Ugh, this guy always around when you don't want him. Like, (laughs) shut the fuck up, bro. Like, he defends Alice. Yeah. But also, I highly doubt that he has any idea what the fuck's going on. Like, he says he does, but I don't think so. 
No. Like, I, he hasn't been a part of any of these conversations in the past. Like, he wasn't sitting there when the priest was in the living room. Like, if he was that concerned, I mean, you could tell he's just kind of like, she's your daughter, you deal with it type of dad. So don't come up and start defending Alice because you don't know how to speak to your daughter or actually find out what's going on with her. I couldn't tell if it was more malevolent than just that sort of 50s era dad figure where, you know, they don't really get involved in the child raising, you know, like they back up their wives on, you know, whatever discipline needs to happen, but they they don't want to deal with it. You know, they're busy. They got other shit going on. And I didn't know if it was just that or if there was something else going on because he did interrupt at that moment where Betty's like, why are you so unhappy? And is he suppressing Alice in some way? Is he trying to interfere with her relationship with Betty to keep them apart for whatever reason? And the only reason I'm thinking this is because the Hal that we know is a serial killer. (laughs) So he could have something fucked up going on with his character in the 50s as well. But it could just be that of this time period, men were just kind of like, we don't talk about our emotions. We don't do this. Listen. Yeah, I mean, they still are like that. So it's that's it's true. Pretty but accurate. like, listen to your mother and shut the fuck up. Yeah. And this doesn't really bode over well, because just when you think that Betty's getting to Alice in the way that she should, the next day, Alice basically tells Betty, like, listen, <laughs> I've disowned you. <laughs> I've disowned you. Yeah. You don't want a mother, then I'm not going to be your mother. And like, I was like, make your own shit. damn breakfast. <laughs> Like, it was just kind of like, well, again, we've both agreed that Betty is more of the adult in the household anyway. Yeah. But for her to just come out, it's it was such a... It was harsh even for Alice. Defense mechanism. Yeah, it was just kind of like, well fuck you I'm not gonna be your mom now it's like um that's a little that's a little much it's a little extreme yeah that you're not even really willing because that's the other part of this too is that she's not willing to have the conversation with Betty that Betty wants to have with her and I get that you know as a parent you kind of have to find that line of like negotiating with your child but also laying down the law because you do know better than they do most of the time But she doesn't want to engage with Betty in any sort of useful dialogue. So I right. guess. And like you had said, she she's constantly seeking a middleman mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to discuss anything with her. Right. And it, it's sad. It is sad. And if Betty weren't the way she was, this would probably go much more horribly. Because if she couldn't defend herself the way she has, she would have just been institutionalized by now. I honestly thought that's where this episode was going. I thought that he was going to be shipped off to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy for sure. But no, we just (laughs) we've forgotten that Ethel's there. We've forgotten the whole place exists. So that's the thing. But fortunately, as long as we're done with Betty, we can move on to what does exist of the murder investigation. Yes. Hopefully again next week. (laughs) Right. Get more about them for doing this two weeks in a row where they just don't talk about the murder at all until the last 10 seconds of the episode and then we're just left with what and then the next didn't it happen three times yeah because the milkman shows up right the milkman shows up that was the end right then last week tabitha and jughead find out that he is in fact dead and they're calling it a suicide and now this week okay yeah you're right yeah so three times they fucked with us (laughs) <laughs> so I'm getting a little tired it. yeah mm-hmm. because I really want to see more of that and it's very frustrating that they keep just like 
yanking that football away. Yeah, so Jughead, basically, after all of his mourning... He He's finally to ready to move on. <laughs> and he even, like, said, like he kind of... They make fun of him in a way where it's like... They have him say, like, it's only been two days. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous or know that he's only known him yeah for a short amount of time right. it's like well at least you can admit that because it's insane but yeah he basically tells pop that the theme of all of his books were basically you know time and things will get better and you know you can't stay in the past and blah 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 so he decides it's time for me to get out of this you know nook yeah and just <laughs> get and back to his life a, in the train get car back. yes and with that, Sheriff Keller pulls on up and comes in and goes, yo, we're going to need your help on this investigation. Which I find hilarious because didn't he just try to railroad Jughead for Ethel's parents' murder? Yep, <laughs> so, yep, yep. Okay, cool. Made a 180 on that. There's no consistency here. No. <laughs> and this seems like nice Sheriff Keller, you know. We've we've seen evil Sheriff Keller, but this guy coming in he seemed like he he was like a different person and you know he was it was a very brief scene but I still felt like it was oozing old Sheriff Keller that we can actually respect right a supportive yeah you know somebody who wouldn't set up his teenage son with a hooker just to make sure he's not gay (laughs) (laughs) yeah man oof been a tough season for some of these people oh yikes it really has and it's given we're still not even halfway i mean i think we can safely assume episode 12 will be in the 50s because episode 13 appears to be in the 50s so we're at least in more than half more than half now yeah after that there's only seven episodes left (laughs) so (laughs) this is our summer this This is is our our summer summer. we're wasting it on this garbage Oh, Lord. So, yeah, that was that was the Betty and Veronica double digest. Yeah, it was what it was. <laughs> it, it was what it was. <laughs> Our pod pick of the week is Making Tarantino. These guys are such great supporters of us. Um, if you remember, Philip actually wrote the amazing lady chatterly review oh great (laughs) another horny topic for us right (laughs) and he's also been super supportive in listening to just our riverdale episodes and not watching the show and loving them so i wanted to give him a shout out so him and chip they go over movies that are liked and recommended by quentin tarantino Mm. so it's a pretty cool diverse list Mm -hmm. and um definitely check them out obviously the link will be posted whenever i do the post Fair enough, right? Yep, that is fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and last week, I'm a guest on Rebel Healer. Yay! Because May is Masturbation Month. Oh, is it? It It's a full, full episode about masturbation. Which, fun. Have fun with that if you want to listen. And this week, so this Thursday, the episode is about the ick factor mm. and dating and what those can mean. And if we, if people have ick factors about us. And what we think they would be. So oh. those are the two episodes. Have fun with those. I'll definitely post some links to those episodes as well. And of course, you know where to find us everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, always being updated. Uh, check out the website, which is always being updated. And yes, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yes. Happy Pride Month, y'all. Yes. 
almost there, technically. Almost there. In like a couple of days. days. Pride month. Happy pride. Love is love. Show your support. Yeah. Advocate for your friends. Absolutely. And until then, that's Endgame. Game.